This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 67, and we're streaming live on Facebook. We hope you can join us. Um, Christy, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. Now, we had a few miscues last week. I sent out the wrong link and sent out a link on my my main Facebook page. It was kind of disastrous, but it was a good learning experience. And uh, audio only, it seems like a lot less pressure because quite honestly, when we record it, we usually record it live. You are a champ, uh, pretty much flawless. Sometimes I'll cut a few silly things I say out, but in general, we record well, it live. Hard, hardly. Sometimes they have some technical problems, so there is a lot of pressure going live. Wow. You're throwing technical problems. I, that was not just you. I have my own technical problems with my computer too. So. <laughs> it felt like you were judging me, but that's okay. Listen, I know we've talked about your anniversary and 20 shows, and you know this is a legit podcast. We can't just go throwing out these accolades without proper statistical analysis. And you missed a couple shows in in the middle there, so it it's not 20 yet. It's close. So um, I will inform you once we have the data. Uh, get back to the show. I put it out to a private data consulting company to make sure we get it correct. Cause you know, this is a legit podcast. All right. Well, I look forward to the gift that I'm sure you'll get me on our 20 episode anniversary. I think Hallmark has something designed for that. I actually, it's funny you should mention that because you know, we haven't talked about this and I didn't even put it in the show notes, but I do have a gift for you. Um, oh, is it a, Mac, a MacBook pro? Oh, I wish <laughs> if I had that, I would keep it. I would not give it to you. I'm sorry. I'm very selfish about <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but We'll get to that later, and let's start off like we always do with the EdTech Rundown. All right, EdTech Magazine tells us that education is now moving towards cutting-edge data management and away from legacy in-house servers. Some school districts are taking advantage of the speed and cost-effectiveness of virtual machines as servers. And while I'm quite sure Matt would explain this the best, and we talked a little bit today, and I sent him this uh, script, so to speak, to him so he could tell me what he thought about it. And I'll get to that in a minute. But essentially what it means is they're moving away from physical in-house servers. Um, They're pricey. They're difficult to scale. uh, Maintenance can be tough. And instead they're leveraging the cloud, as so many people can be confused about the cloud. But it basically means a server off-site. So it's a complete oversimplification. Uh, The article is referencing hyper-converged solutions, and that term might be scary enough, but it basically means that server storage, virtualization, and networking are all handled within the same solution. So the upsides of that are, of course, price is going to be more affordable, uh, maintenance is going to be easier because it's not going to be in-house, scalability, if you start using more and more, they can scale as you go instead of, um, you know, those times as teachers we always have where everyone's on the same software and then it's slow as can be. So this should help that. And it also has just a single point of contact for troubleshooting, so it's good. It's hard to deny in a lot of ways, including gaming, that virtual machines are the future. Um, If you aren't afraid of big words and some IT talk, check out the article. We have links in the show notes. Of course, you can always just Google it. Uh, EdTech Magazine Hyperconvergence. Yeah, that should do the trick. That should get you the article. Um, I will say that Matt, let me just jump in real quick and give us Matt's points here. Matt said that I hit all the right notes of the story, which, I mean, that's pretty impressive coming from him. And he said, you know, it really just comes down to moving away from cumbersome, outdated technology to more scalable solutions. And the market is growing at an exponential rate. And so leveraging of data centers across the world is only going to help. So I'm so glad that I did well. 
Well, I'm not really sure what all this means in this article. It is pretty technical and really beyond my level of knowledge. I mean, you said the word it's hyper convergence. Um, so I'm not really sure about all that side of it, but I do know how important all the behind the scenes work is. One quote from the article that I do understand and agree with is, we couldn't achieve success without having a solid infrastructure, as well as freeing up financial resources uh, and meet our users' future demands. I totally understood that part of it and agreed with it. So um, interesting with hyperconvergence. So yeah, it's just converging, but maybe you had a little sugar beforehand or something, I think is how it works. Um, like warp speed, maybe? There you go. All right. Our next article takes us international. TechCrunch reports that Mrs. Wordsmith raised two million pounds from investors to take its platform into the 20th century. That's not a typo because at this time, Mrs. Wordsmith is a subscription-based paper that's right, folks, paper service. The other fairly amazing thing about this company was that it was launched in 2016 by CEO Sophia Fenichel to help her own children improve their writing skills. The service is aimed at transforming the way young people learn, retain, and use the type of words that drive literacy and academic success. With this investment, they will be adding an online component to their service to reach even more people as this has very quickly become popular and successful. What do you think of this, Ricky? Wow, I'm just amazed that this was made in 2016 and it's like paper only. That just, it, that boggles my mind. I mean, it's cool and I think it's awesome. Um, but to go from launching this as a mom um, in 2016 and now being given two million pounds um, <laughs> to take it and, and make it online and accessible and more, you know, ed tech world is, it, it's just crazy to me. I mean, it's awesome. Obviously, it, it should give anyone that has an idea of something hope because even if people probably, I'm sure people laughed at her and said, what do you mean you're going to sell paper stuff? Like, what are you talking about? Well, I think it's just really stressed to me how important your content is and how good you got to make your product good. So, and then you can make it flashy and the bells and whistles up and online. But if someone's giving her $2 million to do this, I'm sure that the content is solid. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's based on some solid research talking about how people that have the ability to understand and retain these certain vocabulary words are more successful in education and beyond. So I think that's obviously awesome. All right. Education Dive reports on a teacher survey about ed tech in schools done by Walker Sands Communication. The title of the article says that teachers give low marks on schools ed tech use and mentions that only 13% of teachers would give their students an A when asked if EdTech helps their students, uh, generally that was the question. Now, at EdTech Weekly, we dig deeper and do research, right? Well, okay, and not usually for me. I know Christy does, but I did this time. I actually went to Walker Sands Communications website and downloaded and actually reviewed the results of the 500 teachers that were surveyed, which is I'm glad I did because the the lead-in for that survey also said pretty much exactly what this Education Dive article said. Um, what I found interesting that wasn't mentioned in the article or the lead-in for this survey was that the actual survey gave 46% of teachers gave a B, which is pretty good, and 32% gave a C. So basically 91% of teachers graded at an A, B, or a C, and the headline is that teachers give it low marks. Um, I'm Christy, I'm not sure what your education experience was, but for me, an A, B, and uh, even a C would not be classified as a low mark. You know, it just goes to show that clickbait headlines are all over the place. 
Um, and this is really negative for ed tech in general because it gives this stereotype that I think teachers are unhappy or don't think it's good. And I don't necessarily, after reading the results of this, believe that's the case. Um, I think the story would have went a little differently if I hadn't gone in and did a little research on this. Um, and uh, we'll put the actual study into the show notes, a link to it at edtechweeklyshow.com. But Christy, two questions for you. Number one, are you proud of me? I hope so. And number two, how would you grade my performance here? Well, okay. First question. Yes, Ricky, always proud of you. You well, I'm thankful for you for having me on your show for quite a while now. Um, and two, how would I grade your performance? Well, A minus is what I would do. And here is why the A minus is because I have not seen the new logo for the podcast. Whoa. That's the only downgrade. That's unfortunate because it's not really my fault. <laughs> I, I put it out there, and you know, friend is working on it, and I, you know, it's a friend, so I'm not going to be too crazy about it. But yeah, okay, point taken. A minus. All right, I, I do have a little bit to say about this article, though, and I don't often go on a rant, but this one, as I was um, thinking about it, did lend itself to one for me. So um, first off, thanks for looking all the way into the article. That clickbait uh, is interesting. So always important to go more. It states that only 13% of the teachers were willing to give their school an A rating when asked whether the available technology at the school would be able to enhance students' learning experience. With this data, I wonder what the respondents would give themselves to their belief that they can successfully integrate tech. The article identifies cost as the number one hurdle, but I also think teacher tech comfort level plays a part. Teachers either need to have the skills to be able to lead tech in the classroom or be okay with students knowing more than they do and letting go of the idea of always being the expert. As there is so much available now, we have to be okay with students knowing more and not wait for the teacher to know before implementation with students. With the right, guideline, right guidelines, let's turn students loose to do amazing things. It's not possible for any one person at this point to know all the answers anymore, whether it's teacher or student. Don't let this be a roadblock. Go, do, and let students do great things. End rant. All right. That's pretty powerful. I would like to say, uh, in case my wife listens to this show, that it is possible for one person to know all the answers. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> all right. Point taken. <laughs> Good save there. Thanks. All right. Next article. Edweek Market Brief explains that data points to a wave of K-12 through classroom redesigns based on ed tech and how it is being used in the classroom. Around 70% of those surveyed in K-12 through think EdTech will impact class design in the near future. The article explains that the average classroom space is close to 50 years old. Many schools were built in the 60s and 70s. Obviously, the power and network needs couldn't have been considered at that time, so some upgrades are necessary and have been for quite some time. We've clearly known schools need upgrading for quite some time now, and it appears many schools are preparing to make these upgrades, and it's important to get it right and future-proof these classrooms as much as possible, especially considering if the last ones lasted 50 years, think about what these have to do in the next 50. Yeah, that that talk about boggling your mind, like I can't even imagine what it's going to look like in 50 years, and I don't know how you could possibly future-proof, but... I will say this, um, you know, Matt, once again, he can't join us tonight, but he did He did look through the notes, and he, he I'll just read this from Matt. Um, his comments on this is, I'd say this, this idea is similar to the first story and how one would look at building their IT infrastructure. Once you put in place rigidity, like buying hardware, 
you really do a disadvantage to the future generations. This harkens back to an old, old, old story, which was done on EdTech Weekly. What? Where we talked about old media formats and how there's concern about how we preserve and still have access to that data. For example, old movie files like .mov uh, files that were done in high school. Um, are these are these types of data still going to be available? You talk about 50 years from now. Uh, it gets a little frightening, and that's a conversation that's kind of fun to have, but are we still going to have things that play MP3s and MP4s? And I mean, I'd like to think so, but if you go back even, you know, some of these, like, um, what's what are some of the word, like, word perfect? Like, I don't think we have things that read word perfect files anymore. So, you know what I mean? Like, to, to go old school on us. But, like, yeah, so, I mean, it is, it's definitely a part of the conversation that needs to be had. But I think virtual machines could almost be the answer to this because as long as you have a computer that can get on the internet and is fast enough to do so, you can be leveraging other machines that are continuously being updated and upgraded. So I think that's a pretty cool story. And I, and I like, listen, I think for our first uh, live audio only podcast, it's going pretty well. Now email the show if you want to get involved, edtechweekly at gmail.com. And again, EdTech Weekly Show on Facebook, where we're going to be live streaming our podcasts um, audio-wise. And, of course, on Twitter, at 4TechTeachers. And for Christy, at Christy M. Warren. Now, for our featured segment today, um, and the fact that it's live is pretty cool, um, but I thought we'd talk a little bit about how to start a podcast. And I'll put a link to a pretty cool article I found that was actually on Shopify, and I think the neat part about that is uh, leveraging podcasts for more than just like, you know, your passions, maybe your work, you know, your job, maybe things that you could do if you want to start your own business. Podcasts are a great way to sort of build your brand um, and sort of make things happen that way. So uh, I'll put the link uh, to the Shopify article in the show notes as well. And I may do some extra content on this too to make sure that everyone who really wants to start a podcast can. But Christy, let's talk about it. Let's let's just say you're interested in starting a a podcast. Let's hope it's not one that's going to try to usurp EdTech Weekly Show, but let's let's just say you wanted to. Um one of the first things you have to think about is what's your show going to be about? Did you have you ever thought about doing another podcast? Actually, I have, not to compete with ours, but I have talked to some other people about doing a Women in EdTech Leadership podcast. I think that would be a pretty cool talk, pretty cool topic, and then we could interview other uh, women leaders in EdTech. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit on something that I've, I, I would give advice for people, and that is you have to narrow down your topic. Um, you are specifically, excuse me, you're specifically talking to a group of people and that is a very specific group of people. And it's a large group of people, too. There's a whole lot of people in that category that would be interested in your content. Um, a lot of times I think what happens when people think podcasts, they think, oh, I want to be a big podcast and I want to have millions of listeners. And and so I just have to go with this broad topic that everyone would want to listen to. But in reality, the amount of people that listen to podcasts keeps increasing all the time. And it's a really great medium. So you really want to narrow your focus to people who you really want to get your message out to. And listen, we didn't talk about this before. I kind of put you on the spot, but you did a great job with that first one. You have a very specific group of people that you want to reach. And I think that would work perfectly. Yeah. But so I need to know, how do I do all that behind the scenes work that you do? 
Yeah. So that's the hard part for, for a lot of people, just the barrier to entry. Right. So I think it makes kind of sense to just talk really briefly and, and we'll go through this pretty quickly, but you know, you have to think about the type of podcast. Um, is it going to be a group of people? As you know, Christy and I have, we're a, we're a little, we're, we're the terrible twosome. I don't know if terrible, but yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> terrible. Um, you could just be a solo host. I, you know, unless you are really, really good and captivating, um, as Christy has pointed out numerous times when I'm on my own, it is not a pretty sight. So, you know, you got to think about those types of things. What's your audience? What are you trying to say? And then I've heard some really great, I mean, narrative ones too. Um, there's there's some podcasts um, out there and I'm trying to think of the name of the group and I cannot think of it right now. But um, they've they've done some amazing narrative podcasts, big, pod, big name podcasts that you would be able to just kind of throw out that I'm for some reason not being able to think about right now. Um, and so, and those are in the narrative format. So if that's your thing, then obviously naming the podcast, again, you want to, you want to make a concise name that makes sense to your listener so that they can find you. Um, let's talk about recording the show. Now, this is something that I think most people struggle with and maybe don't even do it because they get to that level. So one of the things that you need for a podcast is some sort of a microphone. Now, whether it's a headset, USB headset, or whether it's a USB microphone of some sort, um, that's the base level. Now you can get into XLR and more podcasting or pro podcasting type microphones. That just requires extra equipment. Um, if you have a laptop or a desktop and you have a USB microphone, that's really all the hardware that you need. And so I guess now is a good time to tell you what my gift is for you. Oh, there's a gift? Yeah, this is the gift that we talked about before. I have a... Blue Yeti USB microphone. And it is the first one that I started doing the podcast with. This is like history. And um, I thought that if you are interested, that I could send it your way so that you could have a little more of a professional podcasting mic. What do you think? Well, that would be awesome. So is that for me to use or like to pin on the wall, like a dollar bill people do like from the first dollar like bill? A dollar bill. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it should be in a glass case. Yes. But I think <laughs> I think you can take it out of the glass case for the podcast. No, it's for you to use. Um, I've had I don't need it anymore. And um, I just thought it would be a good way. And maybe this is a good way to spark you doing this other podcast you're talking about, too. So awesome. um, I'll send that out. And, to you. and maybe I'll sound better. You, I mean, you sound great, especially considering we're just doing this on Google Hangouts, um, and that's the other thing that we mentioned. Like, if you want to, if you want to do a podcast with somebody else, unless you're in the same room, and, it, and that can present its own problems too, being in the same room for audio. Um, Google Hangouts is great. There's no time limit. It works pretty well. I mean, yeah, there's times when the internet's not that great and you get a little lag, and but that's part of the acceptable thing with podcasts. I've listened to some podcasts that are really high level and make a lot of money, and they have those issues too. It's just kind of part of the deal. Um, so yeah, a USB microphone, great thing to have. Now you got the computer, you have the USB microphone. How do you actually record? What do you do? So there's a couple options. Um, we were talking before the show, Christy, and I said that I use Adobe Audition to record. Now it's part of the Adobe suite and it's something that you can use if you have that, um, subscription. Okay. I happen to have it through work, so it works out great. But if you don't, and you need some free options, if you have a Mac, uh, GarageBand is something that you can use. Um, and they used to have, and I'm not really sure cause I'm not into the GarageBand, um, 
world at the moment, but they used to have an actual podcast sort of button that would sort of make your vocals and things be a little bit better. And they may still have that. And when I look into uh, creating some content, I'll get more into that. Um, and there's also other free options too that you can use. Um, specifically, if I can find it, hmm, why do I struggle with this right now? Here we go. Um, Audacity. Now that is for PC or Mac and it's free and it's a good alternative. And you know what? There's a lot of videos on the YouTubes um, that you can find that will show you how to use these things, especially in podcasting. So if you just look up using Audacity for podcasting, you're going to get some pretty cool tutorials that can make it happen. What do you think, Christy? You think think you're armed and ready now? I am armed and ready, so I just need that MacBook Pro. <laughs> right. So, well, listen, you don't need a MacBook Pro. You, I mean, I, you can honestly do it even from an iPad if you have the right adapter, but that gets into some extra things. Um, any laptop, any desktop, you're going to be able to do some good podcasting. Again, the content is obviously the most important part. Um, and then my next one, and I, I'll do this one first, hosting the podcast. So this is a difficult thing too. So I have it recorded. It's on my computer. How in the heck do I get it out to people? And so there are some different hosting options that you can use. I personally use Podbean. Um, It's about 10 bucks a month. Um, It depends on the size of your podcast. If you're doing four half an hour shows, you know, or less a month, which is what we do, um, the lower tier is just fine. 200 megabytes a month is going to be plenty and you don't have to worry about space. And that's right around $10. So it's really not that bad to do. And they also help you with a lot of things like aggregating and making sure you have the right link to share because the next step is that you actually have to get it out there. So you have to get it out on iTunes and you have to get it out there on, well, I would say put it out on Google, of course, But then Stitcher is actually the second largest podcast directory. And so there are ways to do that. And all you have to do, again, Google, um, submit your podcast to iTunes. Google, submit your podcast to Stitcher. The same with um, some other ones. And I would obviously do like Google as well to get it on their um, Android podcasting stuff. So you want to make sure it's available and it's out there. Number one, you got to get somebody to host it for you. You can self-host it. I don't because um, for a lot of reasons, but it's just easier not to have to deal with that kind of stuff. They're built for it. Again, I recommend Podbean. It's worked great for me, um, and I think that's a good one for you too if you want to use it. Okay, cool. Now I feel like I know how to, or at least to start and where to look about how to start another podcast, a different one. Are you taking notes? It sounds like you're writing furiously over there. Are you taking notes? Well, I do have a number of tabs open. So. <laughs> it's just a lot of tabs open. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's there's no right one right way to do it. But if you have a USB mic, and it does not have to be expensive, um, you know, again, the content, it's the same thing with video. Um, the camera does not have to be a $20,000 red, you know, camera they shoot movies on, this, that, the other thing. It, it's really the content. So if you come up with a podcast um, and you, you know, think it's good, try it out and see what happens. Um, it doesn't have to be, you can upgrade as you go, you know, as you get more proficient at it, then you can upgrade if you need to, or you can have somebody send you a USB microphone. You never know. Okay. Question for you. So why a USB microphone? That's better than just like a headset with a mic. 
Yeah, well, there's two reasons that USB microphones would be a little bit better. It's not necessarily the the headset with a mic in a, the way you plug that in is the problem as much as the quality of it. The USB microphones, depending on which ones you get, the quality level just goes up. Um, the way that they communicate the digital audio, the USB connection is just a little bit better from my understanding. Now, there's probably people out there that are going, you don't know what you're talking about. It's possible. But that's generally my understanding with, with USB microphones. Um, again, I just go on Amazon if you're looking. Search podcast USB podcast microphones. And just look at the ratings and the reviews. Like, if you can find one that's 30 bucks and it's got good reviews, try that one. I mean, you know, that's that's the way to do it. Um, I use an XLR microphone, a little higher level, um, but not super expensive either. So, I mean, there's, there's always options. But when you do that, you have to have an interface to get to your computer. The reason why USB is so powerful is because every computer has USB. So... It doesn't matter what platform you're on. doesn't matter if your um, computer doesn't have a headphone jack anymore. I'm sure that's going to start happening since Apple took that away for the iPhone. You're going to have a connectivity there. So that's pretty much, I think, why USB is such a big deal. Okay. All right. You feeling good? All right. And my last... Yeah, my just last look, looking at microphones. There you go. My last thing, um, and I'll just say this. When we started doing EdTech Weekly, when I started it way back now, over two years ago, um, I did not do it to be quickly successful and all of a sudden I was going to have like lots of listeners and all that kind of stuff. It has been a slow build and it's a good thing because as bad as you might think I am now, I was terrible when I first started. Um, and so you have to learn as you go. And that's the other advice that I would give to somebody who wants to start podcasting. You don't have to be good before you start. Just start. Get your voice out there. Start talking. Figure it out. Learn what you like about it and how to do it better. And just make sure it's out there. And if you stay consistent and, you know, again, we've had weeks where we have, haven't been on for a few weeks, but overall we've been very consistent. And like you said a few weeks ago on our podcast, the fact that we made it to 67 episodes now is still pretty impressive. Um, and we are really, really close to 10,000 listeners, which is amazing. Like, that's unbelievable to me. And, you know, to like big name podcasts, that means nothing, I'm sure. But for somebody who just started in his little, you know, office space at his house a couple of years ago, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's a lot more than zero listeners. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I did a, we had this ed tech training day this week and I did a session on podcasting. And so it was, you know, from teachers, how you can learn about podcasts. And then, you know, if you had a student created podcast, you know, how to maybe do that. We just did a very simple like voice memo record on our iPhone and uploaded it to Google drive and shared it out that way. And I said, Hey, we just made our very first podcast. So I'm excited to hear um, how it can be done a little bit differently. Um, and, you know, when this started and I asked to be on the show, I am, you know, I just do it because I like to talk ed tech and there's someone else, although you're all the way in Florida who happens to like talking ed tech too. And so I love that we are able to connect and do that. And that's pretty cool about podcasts. Yeah, it's really super cool. You connect with a lot of people. Again, we've connected with multiple people. Ashley's going to be on the show again soon. I'm working with a, uh, a guy from China uh, that we might have on the show. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff and a lot of connections that have been made because of what I've done. So at the end of the day, uh, yeah, start it. 
do a podcast. Why not? Like, wh- why not try? You know what I mean? You might find you hate it and you don't want to do it. That's okay. But if you like it and you keep doing it and you meet cool people and you learn new things and you put yourself out there, uh, that's a win-win in my book. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us on our first Facebook Live audio-only version. So we have multiple anniversaries now. We'll have our Facebook video live version and now our Facebook audio-only version. But please, check us out, edtechweeklyshow.com. Links to stories. Um, follow me on Twitter, at 4 Teachers. We'll put the link out to the live show there. And follow Christy. At Christy M. Warren. She's actually much better at Twitter than I am. So give her a good follow. And uh, we'll see you next time live on Facebook, audio, on EdTech Weekly. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.